Every day is an opportunity to be kind to the person you will eventually become. Why not take that? This is the Yoakum Swing Podcast with me, your host, Austin Yoakum. And on this episode of the podcast, we have the legendary Matt Vincent. Matt is the owner of the clothing brand Not Dead Yet, a Highland Games world champion, and just an overall savage of a human being. And on this episode of the podcast, Matt takes us down the rabbit holes of the Not Dead Yet motto, his continual evolution from one game in life to the next, and how he builds out his life to maximize his potential. This was an amazing podcast with a man that has inspired me since I've been in high school, and I can't wait for you guys to listen. Keep chopping wood. Before we hit the intro music, I wanted to introduce to you guys the Yoakum Strength Insider. The Yoakum Strength Insider is our online training platform that takes all of the ideas that we talk about on this podcast and implements them into a program that is available to you at the touch of your fingers. Our goal with the Yoakum Strength Insider is to create better movers, to level up your life, and to move forward from where you are. We do this in a holistic fashion. Not only will you receive a program that has helped hundreds of people become better movers, you'll also receive access to our app that allows you to track everything, has video links for all exercises, and allows you to be in constant communication with a Yoakum Strength Coach. Along with this, you'll get our 30-page PDF nutrition and lifestyle guidelines that includes everything from what to eat, how much of it to eat, why we're eating it, meditation habits, and other lifestyle habits that we implement with our clients to really level up their lives. If you're interested in trying out one of these programs, use Podcast 25 in the discount section right before you pay for 25% off your first program. Boom. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast. Take the leap down the rabbit hole with us as we interview elite-level guests to unravel what high performance really is. All right, well, welcome to the podcast, brother. I'm excited to have you here. Yeah, dude. Excited to actually get a chat. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been talking about how I've been following you for probably six or seven years now. I got the old-school uh, hate brand shirt on. Uh and really, really just inspired by a lot of your message and a lot of kind of what you talk about. But I think the biggest thing is the evolution of you and the evolution of of your brand continually. Like it's it's like the old Naval saying, and this this is something I, I continually grab from you. It's like it's not that you're losing these games and it, that's not to say you don't lose battles and you don't lose or whatever. But it's not like you're the person that loses the game and then changes the game to go through there. It's like you were reaching these peaks in pretty much all aspects of your life peaks in quotations. I know there's like the mental struggle and all the battles sure. that go on there, but from the outside looking in, you're, you're reaching the peaks of the throwing career, reaching the peaks of athleticism. You're reaching the peaks of hate brand. You're reaching the peaks of all these things and you continually evolve. Uh, even now it's like you have the evolution to not dead yet. And you have the evolution to more speaking uh, engagements. It seems like um, more, more going to like even the sprinting and the training aspect of it. But that's something that's always inspired me. And I'm always just interested in people like yourself and like how you continually push yourself to continually evolve like that. When, when you have reached these, these mountains, these, and you could definitely surround yourself and I, and, and a much smaller scale, but you're starting to find, I'm starting to find it on like Instagram. When you, when you reach like 10 K you, you can definitely surround yourself at these points with people that'll just tell you everything that you're doing is great and you don't have to do anything more. Like you just be set, you just be set and be done and surround yourself and feel good for the rest of your life with these people. But it seems like you have continually pushed the border to the next level. So what's that kind of thought process like for you? You know, man, it's kind of after my transition from getting hurt uh, and the end of competing, 
I really had to deal with a lot. Like I really had to deal with this loss of identity and it wasn't on my terms, you know, that I didn't finish competing whenever I was going to be done competing. I didn't know my last competition was going to be my final competition. And that chapter's over. And I've always been really fearful of, you know, being that guy that hung around too long. Mm. You know, I've always been part of, you know, sports teams and other stuff like that, even in college at LSU, right, doing track that there were a couple people that you're like, you know, what are you still doing here? And, uh, you know, that to me is the worst. I just couldn't imagine being the worst. That whole Al Bundy scored four touchdowns back in high school shit. (laughs) God, I just, I just can't think of anything worse than that. And so, you know, everything leads to the next, right? Like, you know, so Highland Games leads me to being able to start dabbling and creating content. Uh, that was the first story I got to tell. And as I kind of leaned into creating content, that led to me starting an apparel brand and figuring out how to monetize it and get a chance to do entrepreneurship. And so that's continued on to me, you know, running a podcast, which makes me a better speaker, which then has opened the door to me getting some speaking engagements and more of a chance to write and do books again. You know, I'm interested in the path and what keeps showing up in the opportunity in front of me and less worried about, well, I'm doing this, like, this is what I do. So I'm trapped kind of in a, in a realm there. Like I'm, I want to flow with it. You know, I know everything's going to come to an end at some point. Like right now I'm getting to travel a bit for a living and go on trips with people. And look, there's going to be a point people don't want to travel with me anymore. I'll be fucking old and way too weird. And those days will come to an end. But until then, I want to go. I just hope to have enough grace that when the thing's done, I don't cling to it with fear of transition to the next chapter of my life. I just want to be able to embrace the next chapter with all the tools that I picked up along the way. You know, the hero's journey talks about struggle and fight to go on to build skills to go slay this dragon. Well, in life, I don't think it's one dragon. Like you're supposed to go slay dragons. You're supposed to push yourself. You're supposed to find the best in yourself. And then you go find that next challenge to attack to see where you're at. And 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 for me, yeah, you know, like I, if I'm not going to work for anyone else, right, and, I, and the goal is to work for me, then let's damn sure make sure we're focused on things we give a shit about. Otherwise, then I just have a job again, and I created it. That's dumb. That's not what I'm looking to do. I'm not looking for something to fucking occupy my time. You know, I want to feel on fire with the stuff that I'm chasing. And then that's something that I, I feel like a lot of people, as, as soon as you started talking, it's funny, as soon as you started talking, I wrote down the hero's journey on my little notepad here, and then you mentioned it later. So, but it, it's, it's like, what's going to lead you to the next point is being like present and doing the thing right in front of you. And then that's something that I, I'm noticing, like kind of right now in, in my own life, it's like, you, you've built up this gym, you've built up all this sports performance stuff. And like, that's kind of leading me into the, the next chapter, going a little bit more businessy, going a little bit, again, speaking the speaking the art that is in your soul and bringing that and monetizing it and bringing it just bringing it to the world but that that art kind of changes and slightly changes and when you develop more tools and i I think this is a big part of it too through the hero's journey it's like when you develop more tools your art becomes better and your art becomes different and you're able to create different art too which is a huge piece of it uh you talked about the podcast piece it's like 
you you are unable to do speaking gigs if, if you can't speak it doesn't matter how many good stories right. you have so if you don't well, have the tool to speak right? exactly yeah and like it's no so like training to get better at bench press like show up with an intention push yourself into being uncomfortable and then that line will continue to move exactly and, and developing that and that, that's our whole keep chopping wood but showing up and because this this is where in like my generation the 20 I, i'm like i'm 26 and then like the 22 to 26 year old group is kind of like stuck in this big planning like oh everything like i don't know what to do i don't know what my passion is i don't know where to go i don't know it's like go go start something like go start something pursue it with all of your passion whatever that thing is right now and that is going to lead you to so many more pathways. It's going to lead you to developing a tool that will open up a pathway. Like I think you said in one of your posts, it's like, I want to set myself up in 10 years to have as many different pathways as I can go down. Right. And that that journey is you you have to develop tools to be able to do that. And to develop tools, you have to do something. You can't like sitting there planning is great. Like doing that, all that stuff is great. But if you never actually do something, if you never actually develop the tools, you're going to get 10 years down the road and you're still going to be planning. You're, you're, you're not, you're not going to have anything to do with that. Well, I think a lot of people are worried about taking the first step because they're so focused on what a destination needs to look like. Mm. And the destination part's bullshit anyway. Like, it's really not that important. Like, this idea that you're trying to follow this expectation of if I do X, I get Z in return. When if you think the destination is going to be this spot, this moment, this thing that all of a sudden answers whatever it was, like, it fucking never will, man it's all the journey like it's the daily habits it's the deciding to show up and kick ass every day because i have a big adventure planned it's the you know choosing to stay within the boundaries of what i know makes me feel my best which is not being on my phone for the first two hours of the day and focusing on things that want to make me do better reading new material working on me first thing in the morning and saying that i'm fucking worth that effort because i make it important in my day like that's the actions that show who and what we are going to be. It's, it's tough when you're want that purpose to show up and you want it, you know, to find you. It's just never been that for me. You know, the same way that like, man, I needed to date a lot. I figured out a lot of type of chicks I don't need to be with, <laughs> you know? So some of it's an elimination of getting out there, just trying shit. I think a real part people struggle with is that idea of failure. You know, that they were supposed to already know how to do this before you start doing it. You know, I think the school system's interesting, right? Like we study, study, study and have a test. And typically life throws you a test. And then what you have to do is get smarter on the backside. So, you know, you can either be passive in your fucking existence and wait for life to show up and bring you test or I can be on the gas and I can hunt down the test that I'm interested in learning from. And if I want to be more capable as a car mechanic, maybe I should start taking some shit apart. Maybe I should dive in and start fucking some stuff up, get a few tools, make a mistake. Like it's all survivable, but we, we pretend like this idea of failure or this being exposed that we don't know something that we were never taught is a weakness and what a horseshit way to live that is instead of just being willing to be the suck at stuff just go suck at stuff again there's no expectation just be bad at it and the worse you are at it the more room you have to actually improve it's awesome 
it, and chasing it, greatness is annoying as fuck. That's <laughs> so true. I mean, that, that's one of the big things that we preach at our gym. It, it's um, especially in like movement because and movement's such a small scale part of it. But you, you see these high school kids um, and in high school specifically because our college kids come from different colleges and they're, they're not necessarily in the same friend group. We get these high school kids that are kind of stuck in these social hierarchies um, and they understand that if they fail, they could move down their social hierarchy that they're stuck in. And if yeah, they succeed, gnarly, they can move man. on. And it's like, they would rather just sit in the middle of this social hierarchy that they, they've crafted in their own head, than like fail and move down it, which is, which is a huge piece that like trying to get these high school kids out of. But two of the things that I wanted to talk about when, when you're mentioning that is reaching peaks and understanding floods. And, and I have a, a flood tattoo to my arm for, for the purpose that you talked about. It's like, life's going to throw you tests. Like you don't, it's not like you get the study, study, study. And then it's like, Oh, that was easy. Like, you know, it's like, you're going to be sitting there. You're going to be the, whatever's happening in your life. You could be at an absolute peak. You could be whatever. And life's going to, just going to send a flood of your way. And then yeah. one of the big things is like when, when times are good, people are not preparing for this flood or when times are good, people are ignoring the flood that other people are going through, which, which I, I feel like every single one of us at every single moment, somebody around you is going through a flood. And when times are good, like that is your opportunity to work. That is your top opportunity to build your foundation for when that flood hits. But like you said, I feel like a lot of us are just like sitting there pretending like it's never going to happen. And then when it does happen, we're just totally unprepared for when a flood hits us or when a flood hits a friend or a loved one. And the the other piece of it is reaching a peak in your life and understanding what an actual peak is. Uh, one of one of the easiest examples for me is like, I, be, I became an All-American athlete in football and I reached for that for like four years and I grinded at that. And I thought that was going to be all the answers to like everything that was driving me to be an All-American, like the, the emptiness, the, the hatred, whatever it was. I'm like, oh, all I have to do. And I remember like my name getting announced for that and everybody cheering. And that was the ultimate, like just low point in my life because then there was, there was no, it was like, okay, like what now? Like, I thought that was going to answer all my questions and and it sounds so stupid, but like when you're so stuck in it, but sure. if you've never experienced a peak, if you've never got to that goal, if you never got, you never, you never really understand how really empty it kind of is. So you, you never really get to enjoy the journey because you're, you're always continually reaching for that peak. So that's something that I really think is powerful is somebody like yourself that has experienced so many peaks. You really start to see the cycle of, okay, it was what got me there that was worth it. it. It was it was the the moments that got me to the peak that was worth it. And that's not to say every peak is just totally worthless and it, pointless and whatever it is. But just to understand, like you said, like there is, there is no magic destination. There is no, you're just going to sit there and sit and it's all pure bliss. It's like everything that led you to that moment is what was worth the journey. And rather than sitting there waiting for that moment. You know, with the flood analogy, I really like, right? And I kind of look at this across the board that people wait for a flood and then fucking panic. And whether that's they get diagnosed with something or, you know, a family member dies or a spouse or you get fired from a career long job and don't have an answer. You any of these things that you had this expectation of of how things were supposed to go because you played the game a certain way. Like, yo, the universe doesn't give a fuck. It's. It also isn't trying to see you lose. It just doesn't care, right? And there's going to be so many of these unplanned stress that are going to show up in your life that are going to fucking rattle everything else going on. That's always going to come. And the next one will be bigger than the last. That's the only way you recognize it as a flood. Otherwise, it's still just water you've dealt with before. Hmm. And so for me, I look at it as I can choose to go out and be tested. 
So I can choose the unplanned stress that I want to adapt to. The same way training works, right? Like I have to create an adaptation through stress. So I need the same for me to manage anxiety. I need the same for me to be able to manage my focus. I need the same for me to push myself with ADHD. I have to build the tactics around which allow me to manage that thing. And I have to push it. Otherwise, why would my body, why would my mind, why would my spirit ever like expose what it's really capable of if it's never asked of it? Like our genes don't work that way. Our bodies don't work that way physiology wise. So when you stay on top of it, when things are good, when you're at that peak, like that's when you're staying in the journal. That's when you're still doing the mental health work is when things are good, not waiting to them to be this fucking lifesaver whenever shit hits the fan. That's how you skip over shit hitting the fan. It's because you already have all these other things in control. You're not barely holding on to whatever this routine of life you have. And then one thing shows up, knocks you on your ass. And the next thing you know, you can't manage your fucking diet. You can't manage anything else going on. You're not doing anything for your own mental health. You're not going outside. You're not doing any of the other work. You get crushed by it. So those things have to be non-negotiables. They have to be how you know how to operate your body for it to be at its best, for your mind to be at its best. And quit pretending those two things don't operate together. They absolutely do. Why wouldn't they? What a fucking crazy thing. So, man, like having people prepared for it, like that's, it's just knowing it's coming. Like I'm not doom and gloom by any fucking chance, but man, the life I want is going to be an incredible one. That's going to come with with hard days. Like I didn't get to be best in the world at my sport by thinking, okay, days, we're going to cut it. I'm on the fucking gas, man. And the same thing that got me there, I use the same tools and the same drive and same focus to do anything else I set my sights on. I just don't get to determine the timeline. I just keep fighting. And I want to spend as many of my days doing whatever the fuck makes me excited to be alive. And that's the the not dead yet mentality that you, you've switched over. And, and this is something that I, I, I know two other people that are two of the most successful people in my life. And they have both set days uh, where they are, they swear, like they swear 162 and 168, where they swear they're going to die by. And, and so they, they have this end date set. Um, and the first time I heard it, I thought, it, I'm like, that is the wildest thing. Like, that is so crazy to say that, like you're setting, but the the one that both of them have family issues, the same, same, almost same exact reason you, it's like, I did, nobody in our family has lived past there. Um, but what it allows them to do, and, and something that you mentioned is understand the finality and understand at not at max, but like, it, this is most likely the longest I got, it could be much shorter even, but this is most likely the longest I got. I got to get shit done. Like I, I got to go do this. I got to go accomplish whatever I want to accomplish. And the, having the the set end date, I feel like it's just like a, a due date for a project. Like if, if, if there's no due date, you know, that thing's just going to keep coasting, coasting, coasting. When you, when you have an end date to your life, you have a, you have a project date for your life. You're going to get your shit done that you want to get done in life before that date is up. Or admit you, they weren't that important to you. Mm, yeah. And if they're not that important to you, find some shit that is man. I mean, that, that's what I recommend. Because either way, that's you, you've you got to answer to you for how you choose to spend your time while you have this existence. You know, what a fucking gift, man. You know, we live in such an incredible time that 
I have spare time to pursue things I'm interested in. You know how many thousands or hundreds of thousands of years Homo sapiens existed before somebody got to just, I'd like to give this a go for 10 years? You know what a waste of calories that is as far as a species goes? Do you know like what level of abundance we're talking about? The fact that this is something you're choosing to get better at? Like we have so much gratitude around us and we just miss it because we're so focused on the bullshit we don't have. And if you can't sort that part out, you're going to be stuck in it. And so like, man, the time I've got in front of me, that's for me to spend. Like, that's for me to do the things I'm in love with. That's for me to have the opportunity to push myself and realize how lucky I am even to have the chance of doing it. That's why I'm for it. That's why I'm going after it. I don't know how long any of this shit lasts, man. What I get to do for a living didn't exist when I was a kid. I mean, who knows how any of all this works, but I know right now it does, and I'll keep adapting to the next thing. Keep fighting to stay alive. Where where did that I did you have an eye-opening moment? I, I know a lot of it's like gradual and developing tools, but did you have an eye-opening moment from being like an athlete? I just remember early on, it, it not that you didn't have this like grateful energy, but you had like a fire. You had like the typical athlete. And that's what I admired in the time because that's what I was looking for. It was like fire, like killer be killed. Like I'm going all into this sport thing, but it wasn't so much the the grand view, view of everything, the, 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 no. the thankfulness for life. Like, did you have an eye-opening moment of like, okay, like I need to take, take a step back out of this and just reevaluate everything that's going on around me? A lot of that when I was hurt, hmm. you know, I, uh, I knew at some point like the Highland games would end. I, yeah. I've always had a pretty good head on my shoulders about that. Um, like I know sports going to come to an end and I'll probably deal with it then. And I really had expectations of how I would go about it. You know, what, when would I retire and what would that be? And, you know, some fantasy of leaving my fucking shoes on the field or whatever it is. Silly, silly shit. Um, but how I was going to, you know, put the end to that chapter and that was going to be under my, under my decision. And it wasn't the flood hit. Nah, I got taken, man. It got taken, and then not only did I lose that, right, like the wash-in from the flood took away my athletic ability. It's one thing that I can't compete. It's another one now that I can't walk more than 200 yards a day. And so as from that, like I realized, man, that all this self-confidence, all of this belief in myself, the all of this discipline I have, the willingness to suffer, the delay gratification, the ability to just stay focused day after day after day only comes because this thing has responded as well as it has my entire life. And without this tool, I don't learn those skills. And I see it like, holy shit, like how lucky I was to even fucking get dropped in this thing that worked. And even though it doesn't now, I can ignore, you know, that piece of it and say, well, it's going to lose that at some point anyway. So what did I learn from that chapter? And that's what shifted a lot of it was figuring out how to go forward because, man, we can't, like, we can't go back. There isn't this time where I get to go compete again, man, that chapter's done. And I can either be pissy about it for, it's not fair, which fucking cry me a river. 
Yeah, I got to travel around the world with my brother and best friends and throw rocks in fields. People measured it and I made money. If I got to do that for any amount of time ever, it's fucking in the green. The universe didn't owe me an extra season of it because I like it. I can't believe I ever got to do that. And so on to the next with that same passion now. But yeah, it took a long time to get there. I was bitter for a really long time and depressed and shitty about it because, yo, man, I can't live a life where 200 yards of mobility a day is going to be all right for me. I could feel myself getting to the point where, like, I say no to things because, well, how much walking is there? Mm. It's just more and more trapped, right? Like, my, my planet that I can explore is shrinking. My options are shrinking. And the fact that my body ever came back around after this ninth surgery and total knee replacement, like, yo, it's going to fail again. And I don't know when, but until then, while I've got the opportunity to maintain the controls and the maintenance of this thing and how it operates, I'm sure as fuck doing it on my terms, making sure it runs its best, respecting it the way that I didn't before. Just treating it again like an asshole doesn't do any good. What else can it do? I can't believe it can do both. That it can be as strong as it was for doing one thing really well, yet it'll adapt and lose 100 pounds and be able to do endurance things. It's incredible what it'll do if you just give it long enough to adapt. Yeah, and the universe does a nice job of kind of reminding us and and, and directing us to that kind of next journey, which which I think is kind of cool. And, and if you look at a lot of floods, and obviously this is a way of looking at floods too. You don't have to look at, you can look at floods however you want to look at it. But every time it's like you're in this flood, this thing hits you. And obviously you're injured, you're in a breakup, you lose your job, whatever it is. It's like in the moment, it's like, this is the worst thing ever. Like, why me? Whatever it is, you're depressed, you're, you're going through this circle. Uh, and and every single time I you've got, I've got out of one of these is I've looked back, I'm like, oh, this is exactly why that happened. One, leading up, like, I probably caused a lot of that going on forward. Um, And two, it's like, I needed to redirect. And like, I'm so much better off now because of it. And it's redirected me in such a better path. But because yeah, before, I, I think a good example was like, football was like, I was, I was set. I'm going to be an NFL athlete. I was going to do all these things. It's like, if I, if I had not had a flood hit me in that time, if I had not gone down that pathway and I went down, I would be miserable. I'd be miserable and such a worse human being because I would have still have all of my self-worth in sports and all of my self-worth in football and wasting all the creative talents that I, that I developed and, and not having those abilities and not really speaking the message that I was feel like I was put here to speak. I would well, they came when they were supposed to, right? Like, yeah. That's- the way to look at it like you can either claim like man there's just sometimes you know you're clinging too fucking hard to the thing that was and the answer is letting go and seeing what else is out there it's a really tough one it's a, it's a really tough transition to let go of what was and have this i mean i know for me man all the insecurities of like well fuck why would anyone buy from my brand if i'm not throwing why would anyone mm. have any interest in what i'm doing if i'm not throwing this is where all my value comes from is being this athlete. Um, you know, in those floods, those floods, those heavy experiences that come through your life. It's really on you how you choose to integrate after and what you choose to change and how you let that flood change the direction of things and go with it. Otherwise, you're just destined to hit it again. 
destined to continue to make the same fucking mistakes out of your ego thinking that you didn't help create it. You know, and all those things give you options to, you know, answer some type of a call. I know they have for me, whether that was, you know, really dealing with mortality after my father's death or if it was really deciding what do I fucking want out of my life after I got done competing. Any of those floods, man, were the ones that forced me to answer a question and then choose my next bout of actions to support whatever that decision was. You know, I got lucky enough through all the athletics that I know how to make progress forever. It's just show up and give a shit every day. There isn't anything else more magic to it than that. Like, if I can't get you to show up and give a shit every day, I don't care about any other practice that we're trying to add to you doing better. That's the only one that matters. The rest of it is fine-tuning. And, like, I know I can show up and give a shit. You know, especially about the things I care about. I do not care about your dreams more than mine. I don't want to ever stand in anyone's way. That's never how this works. But I'm obsessed with my life and making the absolute most of every day that I get a chance to be here. With one of the things that, and this is probably going to sound like a silly question on the surface, um, but I, I know it's something that a lot of people struggle with. How do you go about the process of finding out what you care about uh, in the way of trying something and and because there could be so the one we, we're 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 sitting in a world of abundance like you could care about 14 million things if you if you wanted to and, and pull you so many different ways uh and, I, and so many people are stuck in there's so many options i have no idea what i care about i, I don't really know that there's so many pieces and maybe i try something and i don't like it and like how do you go about that process yourself of trying something and understanding okay this is something i want to keep in my life this is something i want to pursue and master in my life or this is just not it for me and and how do you go about the process of even selecting it in the first place to at least try you know, for me it's it, it's come pretty naturally like i'll lean into something and i know that i get kind of locked in on doing it and if I get locked in on something, then I typically kind of give it attention. Uh, some of the attention that it gets given from that point is, well, what do I do with this so that I can do this more often? And some of that means make a living. Um, but for me, yeah, just being able to follow really what I'm into. Like, I love being able to travel. I like being able to create content. I like being able to tell stories. Uh, I like being able to train every day as though I'm some type of professional athlete where I get to treat it with a priority of my day, that movement and everything else and my recovery with the sauna or cold. Like I love getting to do that every day. That's a, a dream life scenario for me is that training is a priority of my life. And so like finding that purpose, you know, for me, it's just listening to the things that make me happy. And I know that's really fucking tough for most people, like to actually give you a takeaway and what I work with people uh, in my coaching group on is finding purpose. And so I think a big chunk of that is to figuring out first, like, are, is what you're chasing for you or was this set up by your family, the expectations of the city you came from, any of these other things? Like, what is it you're actually pursuing? And if it's not for you, let's take a fucking hard look at it. And then figure out what it is you're into. What do you want to do? What do you want to learn? What would you like to get better at? 
Um, so I give my, my, my people a, like a 30 day journaling exercise. And I took this from this guy, Alex Banyan. And I think it's a great experiment. And so in that 30 days, the three things that you're going to journal about are what brought me enthusiasm today? Because happiness is a, is a, just a messy word, but enthusiasm, that one, that one lines up and rarely are people enthusiastic and bummed. So what stole my energy today? You know, is it the, you know, bullshit water cooler talk? Is it going into the office? Is it any part of having meetings for the sake of having meetings? Is it whatever it is in your day that steals this energy from you? And then the third one is, what did you learn? And at the end of a month, take all these and go sit with yourself somewhere in a new environment and read them and have a different perspective and take a look at your life from this way and take some notes. What trended for bringing you enthusiasm and what trended for stealing your energy? And I look at this as being able to say, now we're being able to set the compass, right? Like we have a back end that's trying to get away from these things that are stealing our energy. And we have a direction toward things that make us happy, things that bring us enthusiasm. So then we can start solving the problem of what gets us more of that and less of this. And am I willing to do that work? Like you may not get to pick the necessary route on the journey, but that's the direction we want to move toward. You know, and even myself, you know, reminding myself, because I get stressed in my day in my life with this and entrepreneurship and anything else. But I work for me. Like I created this stress. That's how it works. Like there's not an easy path. None of this following your passion is easy. It's way fucking harder. This is the system would way rather you just show up and be a drone and produce taxes and whatever the thing is and just get sick and die and stay on the tit the entire time you're alive. Choosing this path is hard, man. But that's where all the value is. Like that's where that decision to live life however the fuck you want and on your terms lives. But you've got to be the one to take those actions once you figure out what you're into and not into. And then up from that point, you've got to decide how much are you willing to compromise with everything around you? Well, what if my parents think that? Well, how much of a vote do they get? Because for me, no one does. No one gets a fucking vote. It's all on me. And that makes me fully accountable. That my life is how it is because of the choices I make every day. Not out of luck, not out of bad luck, not out of my failures, but the choices I make every day are the only thing that I am in control of, and that's what will shape my existence. And that, 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 that piece, I, I think that that's super powerful. The, the full accountability piece, because I, I do feel like this is a trap that a lot of people get stuck in is, and I don't even know if they're consciously doing it, but a lot of it's this sub subconscious of my parents will say this, my boss will do this, my family will do this. And it's when? putting, <laughs> putting it on other people. So you don't have to go grab life by the balls and, and sit there because right. when, when you, and you will fail that I think this, this is the thing that we like we got to get to if you do go off on your own you're gonna fail i i, I slept in my gym for three years on the floor you know like you're, you're gonna fail you're gonna look like a loser yeah, why so so what part of what a shit system that we're in right that that's considered failure mm. it's not failure 
know, fucking failure is just submitting and saying good enough's acceptable. Ah, they gave me a little bit of comfort with whatever the corner offices or this and that. Sure, I don't give a fuck about what I do all day and I live my life in routine, bored out of my mind, disconnected completely all day. Yeah, but it pays well. Fuck all that, dude. I look at that as failure. And wasting your existence for some greater goal of being part of the thing to check the boxes that we've decided are success. Fuck that, man. So I I have been raised uh, in, in, like my brain has always worked in a very similar way of yours, where it is that uh, rebel in quotations mindset against the system. Uh, I've kind of known from day one that I wasn't going to be able to work for somebody else from that thought process. Have you have you always also had that thought process? Have you developed that thought process? Um, because this is this is a talk that I have with a lot of coaches, and then I see, I just see like, and they have so many things grabbing at them, and I'm and for some a lot of times like I have to pull myself back, like okay, they don't naturally have the the the, the rebel in quotation for lack of a better word mindset in there. Have you you always had that? Uh, and how it went, especially in this coaching group, that that's awesome. I'm super interested in how you develop that that rebel mindset in people, or how you get them to like kind of grab that because that's something like a lot of young coaches kind of come to me and talk to me and I tell them it's like okay like if you work for that system this is exactly what's going to happen and it's it's they're so stuck like they're so stuck like how do you get them out of that how do you how, how, how have you done that or how have you done that with the people that you're coaching well man I've always been a little weird yeah same um, so cool um and I remember at some point realizing I didn't want to fit in that the thing most people were doing kind of turned me off because I, I think most people are fucking unaware and coasting. And so an easy example to avoid doing lame shit is just avoid what they're doing. And that, that stuff that they got sold on that is important that, you know, for this greater importance of what it all looks like just never resonated with me. And man, I tried. Like I, you know, after college, I went in to entrepreneurship for the first time with a brick and mortar with a bicycle shop. I forgot. About Passionate that, yeah. about it at the time, and um, you fuck failed. <laughs> and no idea what I was doing. It went poorly. Got out of there with some debt, and then went and got a big boy job for a decade. Paid off debt, licked my wounds. You know, worked in the oil and gas industry. Figured out how to be disciplined in a job and figured out how to show up and work from home and be able to communicate and build relationships and network and do all this stuff as an outside sales rep. And then when I got the chance to apply that back to my own life with my brand, I'd built a set of skills. You know, man, I don't build a brand unless I spent that those 10 years doing that job. And so it all gets us here. You know, but man, I, got my ass kicked plenty and you're i think you're supposed to like take the beatings man just just that idea that it's all supposed to be safe because look nothing's scarier to me than the idea of compromising my life for the safe paycheck and then being let out on my ass because they don't care about me no way if failure's on the table then i want the responsibility of it I'm sure as fuck not letting someone else decide my success or failure. So 
having the, this athletic background, having this this rebel background, how did you take that into the, the creative, the artistic background and the, the artistic of um, creating apparel? Because this, this is something that in a, like in the typical like jock world, uh, and one of the things that I've always grown up and I've always enjoyed is like fantasy novels and like writing, like writing mm-hmm. has always been my expression of like creativity. Um, And I remember even in the jock world, like myself, like going through, it's like, that is not something that is like super accepted or like talked about a lot. Uh, and you see somebody like yourself, that's a massive creative person, um, an artistic person. How how did you go about cultivating that, that creativity and that, that artistic ability? And then how do, how, how do you do it now to like, to so I, create stuff and that, that process for you? I'm always interested in people's creative process. Yeah. I don't know that I would say I ever really worked at cultivating it at a young age. You know, I mm. got exposed to a lot of things and then my, my mom had enrolled us in some like private art classes for whatever odd reason. And then like piano, we were just exposed to a lot of stuff that, I mean, honestly, for a really blue collar family, you know, dad works in the refinery and mom's a teacher. They, they had us in a lot of things. And so there was a lot of exposure. Um, the creative thing was also never beaten out of me. You know, I never got told that this was faggy or any of this type of shit. You know, I got to, I got to explore in that world and I got to paint and draw and sketch and, and I took pride in it. I entered art contest while I was in, you know, middle school and all the way up through high school. Um, getting a chance to kind of just lean on that talent and develop it was another one. It just was another thing that I immediately saw is like, Oh shit, it takes repetition. There's not magic to this. Having taste is a different thing. (laughs) Having taste is different than being able to sketch or draw. And I mean, I got to see that working in tattoo shops as soon as I started kind of being able to, you know, really design some, a few things. Um, and so I, I just always loved it. When I had the bike shop, I was doing apparel for it, and I was helping a couple bands do apparel on the sides, and I liked the stuff I was making more than I liked the stuff I could buy. And so we leaned into it, and when it came to making hate and launching the brand, at that time, like 2014, like I felt like there was kind of a sea of everything looked like fucking House of Pain shirts and Affliction. You know, there really weren't any of these small brands. Everything felt you know, oddly dated dated to me for the style that I was into. But I wanted something that still, you know, echoed back to this strength world and this motivational piece without it having to be so fucking over the top. You know, I, I've just always thought, like, shouldn't my muscles be the thing to tell people I work out <laughs> instead of my fucking T-shirt? Ugh. Oh. So I just wanted to make stuff I like to wear. That's the, really how we got there. No, that that um, that that that's freaking awesome. And you you're talking about like it it's something that you're working on too. The War of Art was something that that was the book mm-hmm. was super eye opening to me. Of like, hey, you said you have to show up and, and write every day if if you want to get better at this. Yep. And that that, that super eye opening to me because I never thought about one one thing, especially when I started. Like I I had that thought process with lifting and with sports and all of that. 
Uh, but writing for me was a little bit more of like just okay. Whenever the words came, they came, and I would just start writing. No way. Uh, and it was, and then no, it got to a point. Way. In which, Can't yeah, <laughs> got to a point in which it was like ran- it's so random. It was so random, and I was like, man, this like there's got to be a better way. There's no way. I, I was looking at these authors that were writing one book a year. I'm like, there's no way this is how they're doing it just randomly, unless the words just spew into their. And then reading that book, I was like, wow, it's like just showing up and doing it every day. Um, and and. I've been doing that every day for the past year now. And it's crazy how you can almost force this flowy creative state. And some days are harder than others for sure, where you, where you're actually trying to create something, but the almost automatic trigger you can get your brain into to, to have the words come in. I'm always interested in what that process is like for you now. Mm. Like when, when you're coming up with a logo, when you're coming up with a design, when you're trying to like, is there, are there images popping up in your head and you're like, Oh shit, I got to do this. Like what's the inspiration? How does that process go? Like, yeah, yeah, it varies. Um, I've gotten pretty good now at kind of manufacturing what gets me to that point. Mm. Um, so my morning routine, like I'm pretty sacred about, like I hold my line there. It's really important to me and I do it every day. And my morning routine is I typically come up here to the studio. Um, I walk on the treadmill or do some type of cardio for an hour and I put on a documentary or something I haven't ever seen before. What I'm not doing is just showing up and zoning out on my fucking phone and disconnecting. What I want are new thoughts. Before I'm barraged by anything from my phone, I'm trying not to look at it even yet. You know, immediately see, is there any emergencies? There's not an emergency, turn it back away from me. And so I want this new thing to, you know, come in me and inspire me and get what I want out of the documentary. So I do that for an hour and then I typically make myself to the sauna and in the sauna I sit and I write and I typically journal on my phone. Uh, By that point of an hour of cardio without looking at my phone and being in my own head because I'm the only one here, I have some ideas I'd like to get out. They're not always great, but... You know, if I do one a day of 365 of them, some are pretty fucking good. And some of those end up turning into apparel and those ideas turn into content and those ideas turn into something I want to challenge myself to do. You know, one of the things with the YouTube channel that we want to work on is some different challenges. Uh, You know, one of those right now we're kind of shooting is like a month long or six weeks long process of I want to sprint again. And all that means is I'm going to go see how long it takes me to run a 200 meter thing right now. And I'm going to add sprints to my program without anything fucking crazy other than effort and consistency. And in six weeks, I'll see how much better I am at sprinting. Because as a 40 year old dude on a bad hip and a fake knee, sprinting's a thing I've written off. This may as well be impossible. But yet I can steal it back. But it doesn't just magically keep up. If I'm not doing the actions, why would I stay being able to sprint? Or new skill acquire, right? Like, how long would it take me to learn how to juggle? Is that a week? Could I do that in, in like three days? Or is it, um, does it take me six months? I bet I can get it done in, a couple, in under two weeks. I bet I could, you know, we'll set kind of a plan of like, what is the definition of yes, I can juggle. If I can juggle for a minute, I can fucking juggle. (laughs) It's good enough for me to chalk that one off of it. You know, I'm thinking about challenges like that, that I think would be fun to learn from. 
you know, that also test my brain and not just the physicality side of things. Um, some days are going to suck. There's going to be days I show up that I don't understand. It's like, I've never done this before. Like I know that's all part of the process. So I'm banking on them coming. Like that's, I want to keep pushing and seeing what all I'm capable of in almost any regard. You know, writing books or traveling around the world or taking adventures or anything. You know, what can I do? And so far, anything that I give full attention and focus on, I've been able to do. You know, I can run a business. I've been able to make a living. Am I making $10 million a year? I'm not. But that's not my ultimate goal in life. So as long as I know what I'm chasing, then it's, I, you know, I set the limits on what success and failure is. That That's, that's, there's so many pieces I want to talk to that the starting back, bringing it back to your journaling. I, I talk about spirit walking all the time and that that's kind of my creative process. I'll just go for a walk, throw on an album. Um, and <laughs> you talked about writing in the notes. Um, I'll just have like words stream in and now, now every day I got the process pretty dialed into where every day, pretty much words are streaming in and I'll write it down. Um, and I usually don't touch or develop like whatever it is. I just try to write it down get all the thoughts out, get all the ideas. Um, and like you said, some of them you go back and it like, wow, I developed that into an entire business and an entire model. Yeah, and then some right. of them, I look back and I'm like, what in the hell, man? Like, what, what was that thought? That was terrible. That was brutal. Some of them are go, oh, brilliant. <laughs> yeah. It was like, man, I don't even know what you were thinking. Oh, but uh, so I do it a lot in the sauna. Um, there's a certain uncomfortability I end up in the sauna that I, I really like, like the level of presence it gives me and <laughs> the clarity of thought. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try that out. I, I, you, you're writing on your phone in the sauna, or you, or you got yeah. a notebook? Yeah, I usually write on my phone. Yeah, I'm disgusting by then, so I just keep a towel to dry <laughs> yeah. my hands off and give it hell as quick as I can. Yeah, uh, and and one of the other things that you talk about, you talk about the sprints again with your bad hip. Uh, I, I did something. I, I've been deadlifting pretty much every single day. Uh, I herniated a disc when I was uh, 16 years old, and they, I was told it was this is way back in the day. I mean, there's still bad a lot, a lot of bad rehab advice, but. Back in the day, I was just told never like squat, never deadlift again, never pick anything up at like 16 years old. And I was looking around, I'm like, this is terrible advice, but I didn't do it for the longest time. It just became this so fragile. Let's, let's, let's take a minute and rephrase all this shit, right? Like I was, I've, I've thought about this, like this advice that you get from doctors with, you'll never do this again. And how many fucking infinite stories we hear from people. Is this a tactic so that they've lowered the bar of expectations so low that anything becomes a success? Is this like a psychological tool that's purposely used within that industry? And then like the other side of that is, or do we operate in just such a shitty legal system and society that our doctors at somewhat putting themselves up for risk of lawsuit? by setting unreal expectations or anything above whatever the lowest chance is Man, being in the strength conditioning world i just really think it's people not knowing the power of their words like the the, the more i talk to strength coaches and because this is something that i've been fighting left and right it's with these kids in this like injury prevention model that we have with these kids and i have 13 to 15 year olds coming in scared to do any movement because they've been told they're going to be hurt and it's like these these parents and these kids I, like these coaches i don't believe I, I can't get myself to a point in which they had ill intent telling this sure. kid they can't do this they can't do that but they don't know the power of their words they don't understand when they tell a kid hey you can't do this 
that is that is when they're 13, 15, 60, whatever, they're looking up to you as the doctor, as the parent, as the coach, right. as whatever. They should they be able to trust you and authority. listen to you. And they can't, they can't, you know, and oh, I don't. Especially, and, and look, I, look, I grew up around that, right? Like everything I grew up with was that adults have the authority. Adults are correct. Yeah. I can see that monumental fuck up. I don't necessarily have better answers for it because kids are ignorant assholes. Um, and there needs to be, there needs to be leaders, but just because you're an adult doesn't mean, you know, shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, man, I'm, I'm a moron and I'm way smarter than a lot of people. And so the idea that like my parents, right. That, didn't have any outside resources of their hometown and where they grew up and the people they were around compared to say what resources I have available to me to learn from. Holy shit. I can probably forgive a lot of mistakes of what they guided me toward as not knowing any better. Yeah. I, I, I remember, uh, my, I, I, I've been writing about this too and trying to work a post on this, but I remember, so my mom was 20 and my mom was like, or my dad was like 21 or 22 when they had me. And I think back to, and so like, as you have this like young parents and I think about like all the mistakes, like, why'd you do that for the longest time? Like whatever. We were I think, bro. And I think back when I was 20 or 21, like fucking, I had nothing on my mind other than like a girl that walked past me in football. And I'm yep. like, they're in charge of like running a family and like taking care of a family and having a house. I'm like, no wonder, man, like no wonder that is like, that. that's what happened. Like, you don't yeah. know, you don't know. No, no, that's exactly it, right? Like they have just no idea. And I see that and I'm amazed things turned out as great as they did. <laughs> it's honestly, it's honestly a miracle when you, when you look at some, some of the things that are happening, but and this is one of the cool parts of the podcast. You talk about developing tools. One of the coolest things the podcast has had me do is break me out of this like expert approach. It's like before I was like, this expert's going to have the answer. So I'm going to bring them on. This expert's going to have the answer. Then I'm going to bring them on. And every expert that I respected and brought on and brought on, every single one told me, I'm not an expert. I don't know the answers. This is what I think currently. Perfect. And like having that continually beat into my head, I'm like, this is, this guy's the leader in this field. This guy's like number one here, number one here. And they all told me I'm, I'm not an expert. Like I, I try to know my best. I'm trying to pursue this. I'm trying to give you my best information that I currently have, but I don't have all the answers. But, and then and you there's were... just too many variables to speak in absolutes. Yeah. And I think we're a culture right now that is so divided on just about everything under the sun that we're looking for absolute lines to be drawn and stuff that there aren't any. And so what this needs to either be right or wrong. Well, that's not how any of this fucking works. It really depends on, is it right or wrong for you? Do you enjoy doing it? Is it something you will continue to do? Because right or wrong, or is this good or bad for you? Like, ah, oh, it's just so sloppy. And, and it's, it's such a sloppy and lazy approach to just being data driven to make decisions and and trying to like it's like this twofold problem of you can sell that poison like you can sell it so much easier if you can say hey i have your answer and people want mm-hmm. to have like want people and this is this is a tough part of being a human is like we want to have something wrong with us so we can have a simple solution you know so we want to buy that poison because then it's, then sure. life, life is easy and we don't want to admit to the kind of chaos that is all around us and the 19,000 possible things that could go wrong or the floods that could hit or the directions we could take our life. And when somebody comes to us, regardless of what field it is, food, like business, uh, training, whatever it is, when they sell a simple solution, a one singular problem, 
you'd be like, yeah, that's me. Now I can go do this. But you, when you get stuck into this like Kool-Aid cult world, then it's like, man, that's now, now you're blinding yourself to what, what the actual problem but, is. But we've done that with everything, right? Like that's medication to anything. We have chosen to absolutely fall behind whatever maximizes profits for the least amount of effort. The same way we raise kids and put them through school at this point. I mean, it isn't like we're valuing a real education. We can't pretend we do that. Otherwise, we would pay teachers an important wage. Yeah. We would make teaching a really competitive job and actually implore them to teach people and learn. But we don't. We say that's really not that important. I mean... This is what we cast our vote on, man. This is the, the, the culture we live in. Education is not important. We don't believe critical thinking is important. We don't believe health is important, especially not in any type of proactive sense. And at the end of the day, whether or not my culture decides those things are important or not doesn't have shit to do with me. Mm. I decide they're important, and my actions back that up. And is that so before we go, is is that the way we fix it? Each individual takes takes ownership or how or if Fucking Matt Vincent right, was man. if Matt Vincent was given the world power, how how do we fix that? How do how do we fix that kind of culture approach? Look, I, I really believe there's a lot of truth into the that be what you want to see. You know, I treat those around me how I hope the universe treats me. You know, I treat myself the way I hope the universe treats me. You know, I honor myself, I honor my skills, I honor my time, I give myself room to grow and be bored and chase new ideas instead of just being reactive all day stuck in this fight or flight syndrome filled with cortisol and stress for shit that I don't even think's fucking important. So I do the things that I want to create the best version of me to do and that guy is educated, that version of me is healthy, that version of me has a is capable to fix things. He's willing to problem solve. He's willing to delay gratification. He's also really understanding, you know, that I don't take your injuries, your hurt, your lack of whatever, your, your attack on me personal, because I know it ain't got shit to do with me. You know, I decide where my energy goes. I'm not handing the keys to my energy over because some guy drives in traffic a way I don't like. I'm not giving that guy 2% of my day. And I wish everybody held that accountability to choose to do the things to make them as healthy as they can possibly be, to control whatever you can and to let the shit that you can't control go. Do your best all the time. Fuck yeah. That, that's a good spot to end this. Thank you for being on, brother. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for listening. Keep chopping wood. Thank you for listening. Join us next week as we dive down another rabbit hole. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a five-star rating. Follow us on Instagram at Austin Yoakum to stay updated on future podcast guests. Keep chopping wood.